This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, in a world of questions, we've got answers. In a world of problems, we've got solutions. So welcome in as we navigate the new NFL season, which is 11 hours away. Well, actually, it started Thursday night, but the full slate, 11 hours away. On that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frater. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, we take a Quick peek at five NFL teams who just might surprise you this season. As every year, new stars emerge and the playoffs look a little different. In about 15 minutes, we'll talk some college football. What a day it was today. And we're going to welcome in Ken Thompson of SportsX Radio. He has a show right here in Las Vegas. He's had one for about a decade, and he's a college football expert. We'll make some sense out of the Power Five pennant races as they were is this is one year it could actually be more wide open than you think after Bruin Finley's update we'll talk about the latest uh, stories swirling around Las Vegas and uh, the NFL's continuing marriage with the world of sports betting I've got some news in that area that you might find interesting and at the end of the show we'll tell you who the pros are on and talk about some trends that uh, are prevalent week one as well as the entire month of uh, September as you try to find that edge plus how and why Thursday night's game was so historic as it pertains to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sports are entertainment but they're more than that they are a shared experience as such people want to talk about them you've come to the right place tonight We've got a lot to talk about. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. As they say in Gary Quazzo, Minnesota, <clears throat> it's going to be lit. Now, one thing you, I would say this, there's, there's one thing I've always believed about the National Football League, especially at the beginning of the year as you head into a new year, and that is, to some degree, you really have to expect the unexpected. You know, there's an old saying that every 24 hours in the world, the world turns over and someone who was at the top now finds himself looking upward. And such is always the case in the NFL. As we know that in the past several years, at least four teams who made the playoffs the prior year, well, they're sitting at home in January, while four teams who missed out the year before, well, they find their way into the dance. Now, this is not easy to predict. But we're not here to predict so much who will go from worst to first. But I want to give you a close examination of five teams that could very much surprise you in 2021 all right i'm going to start with the carolina panthers now it almost feels like a complete fresh reset in carolina after matt rules first season as head coach it was completely marred by injury last year the covid year they were inconsistent they had all kinds of personnel issues but matt rules a good coach and now they have a former first round pick in sam darnold under center and he's going to see the return of running back Christian McCaffrey, who hopefully can stay healthy this year. And they added some top-end talent like quarterback J.C. Horn and wide receiver Terrence Marshall through the draft. Now, the Carolina Panthers also made a healthy investment into their offensive line, which should pay immediate dividends. Now, I know, you know, it's not a great division after Tampa Bay, but 
it'll be tough sledding when you got to play Tampa Bay twice, and you know Atlanta neither Atlanta nor New Orleans are going to be easy outs, but you can picture a path for the playoffs for Carolina if they can stay healthy. Keep an eye on them because again, every year there are surprises. Carolina could very much be one of them. How about the Minnesota Vikings? Now, the Vikings have had five consecutive seasons or 500 or better before last year. They slipped a bit in 2020, and they finished with a record of 7-9. and nine. That largely came due to a very poor defense, and for some reason they couldn't win at home. Now, in an effort to fix that and combat that, Minnesota went out and again added several big-ticket defenders. You know how important defense is in the NFL. Well, Minnesota you know, augmented their defense quite a bit. They added cornerback Patrick Peterson, defensive tackle Delvin Tomlinson, and they added some depth in quarterback Xavier Woods, and another defensive end you may have heard of, Stephen Weatherly. These are all quality NFL starters who've helped their prior teams. And the, and, and the Vikings were actually, you know, fairly aggressive in the draft, too, as it pertained to defense. They selected a defensive end named Patrick Jones, linebacker Chas Surratt, to go with uh, they did draft an offensive lineman, Christian Derisaw. So they've sort of replenished some trouble areas with players they believe that, you know, are filling what were incredible weaknesses last year. Those weaknesses appear to be shored up. Now, providing the Vikings defense can make a leap, there's no reason they can't compete for the NFC North title. Green Bay is not a lock. Detroit is in a rebuilding year. I'm not going to make fun of them or put them down or anything like that. But let's face it, they're in for a, a very long year. I'm really not sold on the Chicago Bears. I'm not sold on Matt Nagy. Uh, they will probably, by week four, go, be going with a rookie quarterback who I think has a lot of promise. Uh, and I like uh, I, I like uh, uh, Justin Fields a lot. I think he's got the winning gene. I think he's got a great huddle presence. He's really got to learn the position, though. His default mechanism is to run still, and I think he's got to understand what it takes to prosecute an NFL offense. You saw what Dak Prescott did the other night. He was incredible, getting the ball out of his hands, making his progressions, making one play after another. Uh, I think Fields can get to that level, but it won't be anytime soon. So you kind of throw out the Bears and the Lions. It's going to be between the Vikings and the Packers. And so if the Vikings can hold serve at home, uh, I don't know that they go into Green Bay and steal one. But be that as it may, they're better than that 7-9 record last year. And I think uh, I, I think they locked down. All right. Now, this might this, this next team I'm, I'm, I'm going to you know, mention, you might say, well, wait a minute, why are they a surprise? Well, the 49ers, okay? Well, they, they could be a surprise this year. And I'll tell you why. Because you see them as a good team. Their perception is that they're a great team. But they landed with a thud last year. They had a brutal year. They finished 6-10. and 10. Again, that's one year removed from making the Super Bowl. And it led many to wonder if the truth of the matter is the Super Bowl had been the anomaly year because they've had multiple years of sub-500 play. Maybe it was, but every season is different. Maybe, you know, it's, is Kyle Shanahan the issue? I don't know. I, I think he's a good coach. But they're not exactly low on talent. Last year, the problem was they were a mash unit. And they lost some quality assistant coaches this offseason, right? The big splash is that they gained rookie quarterback Trey Lance, who I'm told will start sooner rather than later. 
But you still got Jimmy G, who's 24 and 8 as a starter. Very capable. I think Lance is, again, a long ways away. People are enamored with his ability to run and jump. And I see him drop back, plant his feet, and throw fastballs. I don't know if he's got an off-speed pitch. I don't know what else he can do. I do think, though, they'll put packages in for him. I do think he's a competitor. I think he's a gym rat who works his butt off from what I hear. And there should be no reason to believe Trey Lance can't contribute to that team this year. And that's the best division in football, right? By the way, the 49ers did beef up other areas of the roster. They had some free agent signings. It's also worth pointing out that they were 3-3 and even last year when they had the bad year in a very tough division. You know, you've got the Rams, you've got the Seahawks, and Arizona is going to be good this year. Uh, they were, weren't bad last year. Two of those losses came by a combined seven points. So the 49ers are going to compete. They're going to show up. They are going to have the potential, I believe, to get back to the Super Bowl. But when you come off a 6-10 and 10 season, uh, I don't know that anybody's got them on the short list. I think they could surprise if you look up and they're dominating. That's where the surprise could come. The key is as long as the Niners stay tough in the NFC West and improve their home record, they have a chance to advance very far. Now, this other team also might surprise you quite a bit because you really sort of have to hold your nose when I say what I'm going to say. And frankly, they're a home underdog tomorrow, and I don't know that I like their chances. They're hosting Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos. But the New York Giants, it feels like the Giants – have been threatening to make this sudden turnaround for about 10 years because, well, that's what the situation has been, right? But more than any other point over the last 10 years, there's actually some legitimate uh, optimism out in East Rutherford. The Giants appear to have finally found their, you know, head coach that has a lot of respect across the league, and it's Joe Judge, okay? And the team's personnel... Truth, you know, truthfully, if on, on paper, and I know the games aren't played on paper, but over the last couple seasons, if you look at the roster now, compared to the last two seasons, the Giants could be a surprise team. Again, provided that their quarterback, Daniel Jones, who's a turnover machine, makes that much-needed third-year leap, right? The stars have to align, and Daniel Jones is the protagonist here. I know this seems like a long time ago, and I bet you've forgotten because last year the NFC East was such a hot dumpster fire, but the Giants very nearly stole the NFC East a year ago thanks to a pretty strong finish down the stretch. Now, if that momentum can carry over this year, I you know I, I, don't, I don't call them the New York football Giants because they haven't, they haven't played the New York Giants baseball team hasn't played baseball there since the mid-50s. So if you still call them the New York football giants, ask yourself why. You think that sounds cool or trendy? Or some people call them Big Blue. Well, Big Blue could once again find themselves competing for a playoff spot and even maybe a division title with the Washington football team out in the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry, Bulls. Sorry about your Eagles, man. Um, I'm not even going to give them a mention. I, I guess I just did. All right, the number one team I've got on the list, I think, could be a real surprise uh, is the New England Patriots. Now, some may argue against New England's inclusion on this list because they've been one of the league's most dominant teams over the past two decades. But as you all know, nothing lasts forever. Without Tom Brady a season ago, Belichick's squad came crashing down to earth last year in dramatic fashion. And I will tell you, Belichick was not happy about it. What do the Patriots do in response 
They had an out-of-body experience. They literally went out and spent $160 million over the course of nine days in the free agency market to revamp their roster. There is legitimate optimism in Foxborough. Not only that, they've returned a lot of the defensive stalwarts who sat out with COVID last year. They also drafted pretty damn well, and I think they do have their quarterback in the future in Mac Jones. But the surprise in New England may, may not come with respect to getting to playoffs. The, the, the surprise may be a little bit more than because they are so desperate to prove they have life after Brady. You know, they get Tampa Bay there, I believe, week five. You've got that. And, and the, the truth of the matter is what I think Bill Belichick wants to prove is that Tom Brady wasn't just the only reason and the only force behind their previous successes in England. I will promise you this. Of those five teams I just mentioned, Carolina, Minnesota, San Francisco, the New York Giants, the New England Patriots, for sure, one or maybe two will make the playoffs. Nothing lasts forever. You know, Kansas City is not automatic. As I joked earlier, the only touchdown they scored in the Super Bowl last year is when the team plane landed at the airport. They are not automatic. You have to play the games. And as we get into these shows and as we uh, get into the show later tonight, and in the weeks ahead, where you will see how this unfolds. And th- teams you didn't think about all of a sudden are in the mix for various reasons. And the reasons will become more obvious as you have an opportunity to watch these teams play week in, week out. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Coming up, Ken Thompson, one of the most respected college football experts anywhere, and a good friend of mine, has his own show right here in Las Vegas, SportsX Radio. He's going to join us. We'll talk about the craziness that happened in college football today and how might we project forward, how can we extrapolate what happened today might be a predictor as to what happens in the future. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Welcome in a gentleman. One of the most recognized college football experts here in Las Vegas has his own show on Sports X Radio for the better part of a decade. Say hello to Ken Thompson. Ken, how are you, buddy? Bernie, how you doing, buddy? Uh, better part of two decades, my man, and counting. <laughs> That's absolutely correct, and even more so, better part of three decades, you've been a Pac-12 guy, so you had to be excited about what you saw today. What does that mean going forward since UCLA and Oregon are out of the gate? Might we finally see another Pac-12 team in the Final Four and maybe bring home the crown? You know, it's good. it really is great for the conference, and I was really proud of Oregon missing three starters on defense, especially with Thibodeau out uh, stepping up big time. And uh, every time Ohio State looked to have an answer, 
Uh, you saw Oregon respond, and I was very, very proud of the Ducks, the way they were able to close out Ohio State. Tough place to win, no question. Horseshoe always going to be boisterous with that crowd, and, you know, Stroud did what he could, but at the end of the day, the Ohio State defense right now, not very good. No, you're right. Oregon beat them up physically, but I'm confused. Phil Steele had Washington, Paul rated ninth, best offensive line in, in the game, and also 10 starters returning. I thought they could be a surprise team. Are they poorly coached? What's what's missing there in Washington? Yeah, I just don't think Jimmy Lake's the answer right now. I'm not seeing any innovation as far as offense. It looks like a team that, you know, consistently runs three or four plays. And, you know, they made a couple drives there in the second half against Michigan, but they were outclassed in the first half. And i got to give Harbaugh credit. He had his guys ready. That was a play that we were on, and I know a lot of the public got on that, so that always scares you a little bit, the uh, superstitious people, like, oh, too many people are on it. I can't get on it. Look, I handicap my games like you do. If I like it, I'm playing it. Michigan was one of those games right away that we got on early. And as long as you kept it under a touchdown, it was a smart play. Absolutely. Washington was just uh, never in that game. Ken, let's look across the country. Let's go by conference. The ACC, I still think Clemson has a chance to get back in if they run the table, especially if there's carnage in the other conferences. Break down the ACC quickly. You know, yeah, Clemson's a pretty good team. There's some other teams that are okay. I mean, North Carolina, we knew they were going to have a big day-to-day against Georgia State. Uh, They still have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So there's some teams there. Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, a nice uh, game as far as after the first, say, five, six minutes. And, you know, they were able to hold on with a good defensive stand against Tennessee on the road. So that's a marquee win for the ACC. Uh, Boston College, very stingy defense and maybe the best offensive line in the ACC. So there's some teams in there that are going to be uh, reckoned with and then there's Florida State who we all thought hey maybe back after beating Notre Dame the way they lost that game to Jacksonville State and I was on the game oh my goodness unbelievable how you lose the game like there's no reason to be running next to a guy that's going to catch the ball around the 15 16 yard line why not have like three or four guys back at the seven eight yard line and just wait for the guy you're going to get him game's going to be over unbelievable the way FSU lost that game Let's take a look at the Big Ten, Ken, because uh, Michigan three weeks from tonight, they're going to get a test. They go to Wisconsin. They've still got to go to Penn State. They go to Michigan State. And then Ohio State's always looming. I'm not sold on Michigan, although what's interesting, Ken, as you know, uh, in May every year at the Golden Nugget, they put out the uh, college games of the year. Michigan was catching 12 at home against Ohio State. I don't think you're going to see that in November. But break down the Big Ten. Yeah, you know what? Penn State's another stingy team. I mean, we saw them get outplayed possession-wise, yardage-wise. At Camp Randall, will come away with the victory. When you get turnovers, Bernie, doesn't matter who you are. I mean, it was evident today in the Iowa-Iowa State game. If you looked at those statistics right away, you'd have thought Iowa State blew out Iowa, but not the case because of the four turnovers. So Michigan right now, you know, off to a decent start. There's teams that are, you know, you can't even take Rutgers for granted. When you go to Piscataway, you better be ready to play because Shiano brings a different mindset to that team. There's different teams that you know, Tom Allen's changed what's going on in Indiana. I know they got off to a bad offensive start last week in Iowa City and were dominated by the Hawkeyes. That Hawkeye team is dangerous. Ferentz under a lot of scrutiny because of what went off the field the last several years, but still, it's an Iowa team to me that still has the makings to be able to uh, come out of there as well. And then, you know, Wisconsin's still going to be tough to beat at Camp Randall. Like I said, they dominated 
State and Penn State statistically, and Penn State's on the other half of the uh, conference, so they're still okay as far as getting to that championship game. There's a lot of key games coming down the stretch, and Big Ten's going to be a lot of fun, especially because Sparty is real right now, and Tucker finally has some time to be with these guys and get some chemistry. Look, it's early on. It's going to make for some fun games down the line. So, Ken, C.J. Stroud is still green behind, wet behind the ears. Could this team, Ohio State, be like in 2014 when they beat Navy week one but unimpressively, then lost to Virginia, but then ran the table? Ironically, they beat the Oregon Ducks. You expect the Ohio State Buckeyes to be Mac in the mix and emerge out of the Big Ten as the entrant, or is it going to be somebody else? You know, right now, I, I, I'm not sold on Ohio State yet. I mean, this is, you know, a couple. there's only a couple games in, but the Minnesota game, let's face it, they were pretty lucky to win that game. It's a deceiving 14-point win. But they struggled mm-hmm. in that game, and if Ibrahim, uh, the running back, doesn't go out in the third quarter, you know, the Golden Gophers and P.J. Fleck maybe come away with a home victory. So, you know, I'm just, uh, there's a lot of uh, games that are on that schedule and that game in Ann Arbor. I mean, I would like to see Michigan at least have an opportunity to make that game count, and Harbaugh when he uh, maybe would not as much pressure because they've given them the contract extension and people are just assuming they're going to lose to Ohio State, maybe this is the year that he can finally get that you know, goose egg off his uh, resume there. Talking with Ken Thompson of SportsX Radio, college football expert, has his own show. It's 20 years here in Las Vegas, SportsX Radio. Ken, let's look at the Big 12. Never seems to fail with Brock Purdy and Matt Campbell. All the hype. They don't live up to the hype, but they still can get into conference play. The big game on their calendar, of course, will be in late October when they host Oklahoma. Who emerges from the Big 12, Ken? Yeah, I think Oklahoma got that scare, and they were hosting Tulane, uh, and Tulane going through all the psychological stuff from the hurricane. But I think Oklahoma gets it together. I don't think there's anybody that's going to beat them. Iowa State, Brock Purdy, pretty overrated. Brees Hall as well, and they got shut down somewhat today. But, again, it's the turnover bugaboo that really hurt the Cyclones, and they seem to do that and step on themselves. And then you watch Arkansas, and I had Arkansas on the money line. That was my favorite play of the day, and I got it. I was surprised that they dominated Texas the way they did. I thought maybe a close money line, had them with the points. I got a touchdown at home in Fayetteville. And uh, you know what? Sarkis is going to be a good offensive guy to have there in uh, Austin. But at the end of the day, he doesn't have the horses to run that show right now. So uh, you know what? Oklahoma's to me is still the team to beat. And I don't see anybody else really getting in their way. No, I think it's a good point, and I inadvertently completely overlooked Texas because I don't really have a lot of faith in that team this year. I think they're a couple years away. But the Red River shootout's coming up in a couple weeks, and the look-ahead line, Texas was catching seven. Would you fire on the dog in that game? I would not. I'm not going to take Texas right now. I don't think that team is going to be very good. I'm looking at that team at seven and five, somewhere around there, Bernie. I know they, you know, they got that opening yeah. victory for Sark, but he just does not have the offensive prowess that he needs uh, to compete with high octane offenses like Oklahoma. And like I said, maybe the best thing for the Sooners in Norman, a game they didn't expect to be home, they stay home. Naturally, they're going to take Tulane for granted, and they nearly got bit. They were able to survive that game, and now look what they did today. I know it's West. Carolina, but 76 nothing is what it is. They just said, you know what, we're going to make a statement. We're not going to, you know, let this team hang around, kind of like Duke against one of these weak teams they play. Just step on them early on the basketball court. That's what the Sooners did on the gridiron today. Kim, we got about a minute as we look across the landscape. I mean, you've got the usual suspects. You got Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. Who's the surprise team that crashes the party this year and gets into the playoffs? 
You know what? I'll tell you what. Anthony Brown's a heck of a lot better than I thought he was. Keep an eye on Oregon. I mean, this win is a marquee win. I don't see anybody in the north really giving them any trouble. So if UCLA can indeed, uh, you know, get on top of what they did as far as beating LSU at home after the win against Hawaii, that would be marquee. And I I picked UCLA as a sleeper in the south. Uh, I did not think that they beat LSU like they did. They took care of business, and that's huge. I'd love to see UCLA and Oregon both run the table in the Pac-12 and have a Pac-12 championship game with two undefeated. If we can somehow get that, that will punch a ticket for one of those two teams to be in the playoffs. Ken, you're spot on. That could happen because in the win over LSU and in the win over Ohio State, I thought the Pac-12 team was the more physical in both of those games. Ken, let's get you on again as the season goes along and the picture starts to get clearer. Anytime I can be on with Bernie Frato, it's a pleasure, my man. Appreciate you and all the Fox listeners out there. All right. Thanks so much, Ken. Good stuff, my man. That's Ken Thompson, SportsX Radio. He's had his own show here right in Las Vegas for 20 years and has called Pac-12 sports and basketball and football many, many years in long Southern California background as well. Coming up, who's really got the toughest strength of schedule here in the NFL? I will explain with a new formula that's come upon my plate here in Las Vegas. But first... Let's go to the man he's often referred to around the compound as a magician. Why, just the other day, he was driving down the road with his girlfriend. She grabbed him by the hand, and he turned into a motel. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. (laughs) Wow, thank you so much, Bernie. In fact, my girlfriend and myself, we were at a motel earlier, and, you know, you're on to something here. But let's get to one of the big stories in college football. USC Trojan fans are getting restless, Bernie. They were saying fire Clay Helton in unison at the Coliseum on Saturday night after Stanford came in there and beat down on the number 14 ranked Trojans 42 to 28. Also win for BYU as they take it to their nemesis number 21 Utah 26 to 17 as the Cougars pick up their first win over the Utes believe it or not since since 2009 so it's been about 12 years. Arkansas saw its students run onto the field afterwards after their emphatic win a statement victory over number 15 Texas 40 to 21 in favor as the Razorbacks had 333 yards rushing, also four touchdowns on the ground. Number 23, Arizona State stares down UNLV 37 to 10. The Sun Devils had three scores on the ground. Number 10, Iowa sticks it to its rival. Number 9, Iowa State 27 to 17 as Cyclones quarterback Brock Purdy threw three picks. Number 5, Texas A&M holding off Colorado 10 to 7. It was a late touchdown grab from 18 yards out for Isaiah Spiller of the Aggies with about three minutes left in the fourth quarter to allow the Aggies to avoid embarrassment. Their start quarterback Haynes King left the game in the first quarter with an apparent foot injury. Number nine Notre Dame socks Toledo 32 to 29 fighting Irish quarterback and Jack Cohen dislocated his finger. He came back in the game. He had it lodged back into place and then he throws the game winning touchdown with about one minute remaining as they hold on against the Rockets. Number 11 Penn State no problems against Ball State 44 to 13. The Nittany Lions had 10 different players catch passes. Then there was Jacksonville 
Louisville State. As you guys were talking about, Bernie, you and Ken, how they stun Florida State 20-17, to a Hail Mary 59-yard touchdown pass. The final play of the game for Jacksonville State leads them to the victory and stuns Mike Norvell and his Seminoles. A win for number 22, Miami, over Appalachian State, 25-23, to thanks to a last-minute field goal. Number 24, North Carolina, dominates Georgia State, 59-17. to Sam Howell, five touchdown passes for the Heels. Number 20, Ole Miss, devastates Austin P 54-17. Matt Corral, five touchdown passes. As we send the pigskin back to a man in Vegas who is known for a touchdown catcher, too, it's our guy, Bernie Fratto. The Silver Tongue Devil, Bruin Finley, will be with us all night through 3 a.m. All right, you know, it never hurts to challenge current methodologies when it comes to projecting future success for NFL teams in the upcoming season based on potential win-loss record. Well, recently here in Las Vegas, there have been new models that have emerged as to how to ascertain relative strength to schedule toughness. Now, by conventional measure, weighing an NFL's team's strength to schedule has been simple and straightforward. The common approach was to simply collectively add up each opponent's win-loss record from the previous season, and that would help determine each opponent's potential win probability for the upcoming season. But that has little merit, given each team's personnel changes, coaching transformations, scheduling nuances. We have sort of discovered something here that describes a more true NFL strength of schedule versus opponents' season win totals. Let me explain. This is a different approach now. The new approach that's been developed fairly recently was simply to assess each team and their opponent's season win total by, again, tallying the cumulative projected wins for the season ahead. Think about it. So you're not adding up the number of teams, the number of games a team won last year. You're adding up what the sports books have projected what their win total would be this year. It's our contention this represents a truer methodology. After all, which is more relevant, knowing how an opponent fared in last year's battles or the expected degree of difficulty awaiting them this year? So when you take a peek behind the curtain and crunch the numbers, guess who has the strongest, toughest, according to the Westgate, the strongest, toughest schedule this year. And I've talked about this team before because under the old model, we thought they had, they had about the sixth toughest schedule. But now it appears, based on this model, that the Las Vegas Raiders have the toughest schedule in the NFL heading into this year because the cumulative win total of the teams they play against in their 17 games is 156.6. That is the highest in the NFL. And in their division, 62. Non-division, 94. Big numbers. Pittsburgh has the second toughest schedule. Houston has the third. Almost doesn't seem fair, does it? You get down to where the, the Rams have like the 16th toughest schedule. Tennessee, the 17th. I heard Jason Martin talking about the Tennessee Titans. I like them a lot this year. I think they've got a top five offense. I love Mike Vrabel. I like Ryan Tannehill. The addition of Julio Jones can only complement Derrick Henry. They're a physical team that doesn't beat themselves. They're going to have to crank up that offense, and they did. And in doing so, they've been knocking on the door, but I digress. They've got, according to this model, the 17th toughest schedule because the teams they'll face have a cumulative 146 wins versus the Raiders, say, 156. The least amount, believe it or not, 
San Francisco has the easiest schedule in the NFL this year based on the cumulative wins they'll face over the 20 game over the 17 game season based on the projections that Las Vegas has put forth for win totals in 2021. Cleveland right behind them in Buffalo. So the long and the short of it, by this method, Las Vegas will now take on the most difficult schedule with their opponent's projected season wins at 156 and change. Followed, and this is the order, the toughest schedules teams will have this year. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Houston, and Washington. On the flip side, as I just mentioned, San Francisco has the cushiest schedule in 2021 with Cleveland, Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Indianapolis. Also, the beneficiaries of a, I say this in quotes, air quotes, a softer slate. I don't believe there is a soft slate in the NFL. These guys are warriors. In addition, New Orleans, believe it or not, they're scheduled to face the toughest non-division schedule with San Francisco going up against the easiest non-division foes. Meanwhile, Arizona and Las Vegas, they'll each tackle the strongest division slate this season while Indianapolis goes up against the weakest division schedule in 2021. The bad news for the Bengals, though, they'll face the toughest division slate while the Colts, the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts draw the easiest division pairings. Also note that many of the opening season win totals carry extra juice, okay? Meaning, if you dare to bet the over of Detroit uh, of four and a half, you're going to lay minus 150. That's a little pricey. So the the truth of the matter is, though, is that this is a new, different methodology that has been used in the past. Based on how many games the over-under has been set forth for 2021, the Raiders, by each team here by the Westgate in Las Vegas, the Raiders have the toughest schedule, and the <laughs> the 49ers have the easiest. By the way, big doings here Monday night. The Raiders will host the Baltimore Ravens. Hopefully the Ravens can arrive in one piece. They've had a nothing but... One devastating news after another. In, in running backs going down, defensive players going down. Be that as it may, the Ravens are still a three-and-a-half, four-point favorite as they come into town on Monday, Monday. And what's interesting is we are now seeing, we saw this Thursday night, all kinds of prop bets, not like the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, there were literally, I think, about a 1,000 prop bets you could have fired on. But Thursday night with Tampa Bay, and uh, in Dallas, there were about 300 prop bets. You know, missed whether it be a missed extra point, yes or no. Alternative lines. You could have laid, you could have taken Tampa Bay and laid 17 points, but gotten plus 275 back. Obviously, that would have been a loser, right? Will there be a safety? That kind of stuff. There's also alternative point spreads here Monday night. The Raiders. If you're a little nervous catching them plus three and a half, well, you can get them plus seven and a half, minus 170. But if you think the Ravens are going to blow them out, you lay minus seven and a half, plus 140. And there are alternative totals over under 55 and a half that pay more or give a premium. Will the first score of the game be a safety? Will it be a field goal? Will it be a touchdown? Total touchdowns by both teams over five and a half, minus 125. Boy, I don't know. This, this feels like a big shootout. The Raiders with that 25th-ranked defense, 26th-ranked defense, and Baltimore still has a ton of weapons, including Lamar Jackson. Again, most you know field goals by both teams, team to make the longest field goal, the longest TD, you get the point. It's a situation where it's a, it's a betting extravaganza. 
in addition to the game itself. This is this is where we are now. Legalized betting in 27 states, and frankly, it's been incredible. Coming up, I want to talk about who the pros are on tomorrow, three very popular games that the pros like, and I want to revisit Thursday night's game between Tampa Bay and Dallas and why the outcome was so historic for reasons you might not have thought of. Finally, we'll talk about a September trend that has been pretty solid since 2003. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, want to recognize my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, Brian Finley, Chris Perfett. And Bo Benson turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Could not do this show without these guys. Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Okay. We are 49 minutes closer now to the NFL full slate kickoff week one. 2021 than we were 49 minutes ago. That's the Department of Redundancy Department. One of the big trends that you will find that has been pretty darn profitable since 2003 are divisional dogs week one and in September. Now, why? Why is September so profitable for betting dogs in their divisional games? Mostly because because most teams started full strength. They're very optimistic. They haven't really kind of packed it in yet. The good teams have yet to really fully gel and break apart from the pack. Also, coaches have had months to game plan for this one game. So it leads to tighter games and sort of increases the likelihood that dogs can cover and even you know pull off upsets. There are two divisional dogs tomorrow. They're both a little odd. The first one, Miami catching three at New England. Miami's facing a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, who I think a lot of. Miami was a a 10-win team last year. They're catching three or catching two and a half, depending where you shop. That is one of the divisional games that falls under that trend. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee. So if you're selectively listening out there and you wonder why these don't always hit, check yourself. Look in the mirror and you'll realize maybe uh, that you need to do a little research. This is a 63% trend, not a 100% trend. The other divisional game tomorrow that is very interesting is Houston catching three at home again they're not only facing a rookie quarterback and a rookie coach in this situation that Trevor Lawrence finds himself when you've got the number one overall pick and they're starting week one in that situation only one and eight historically in the NFL cumulatively 12 touchdowns 16 interceptions the only quarterback to win as a number one overall pick. His first game out of the gate was David Carr, the Houston Texans, back in 2002. They beat the rival Dallas Cowboys. Not a fun day for Jerry Jones on that day. All right, so who are some teams that the pros are on tomorrow? By the way, yeah, again, these are these are well-researched games. Doesn't mean they're going to hit. But if you look at the Miami-New England under a 45, you got two stout defenses. Run first teams. Points are going to be at a premium. Uh, Cam or Max making his first start. 
These two teams played last year in New England. The final score was 21 to 11. The total was 44 and a half. Now it's 45. I see no evidence that they'll be scoring two more touchdowns than they did last year. Pros are on the under of 45 Miami, New England. Pros are also on the under in Pittsburgh, Buffalo of 48. You've got the number four defense versus the number seven defense. These two teams played last year. The total was 48 in Buffalo. Final score, 26 to 15. It's going to be a hard-fought game. There'll be some offense, but I don't think it's getting over 48 points. We shall see. One of the other games kind of intriguing, the Saints getting four and a half over Green Bay. Supposed to be a home game for New Orleans. The unfortunate situation with the hurricane moved the game to Jacksonville. The Saints catching four and a half. Here's why this is intriguing and why the pros have gravitated toward the underdog here. Sean Payton is 9-2 and two straight up and against the spread when he's seeking revenge versus an opponent who beat him the year before and he's even getting points. The Saints will have a big advantage in the trenches. They'll be able to run the ball and stop the run. I think this is a hard-fought tight game. My belief is it's probably a field goal type game. We shall see. So those are three games the pros are on tomorrow if you are so interested. By the way, I mentioned it before uh, a, a few minutes ago. This game Monday night was fairly well historic because when you consider the fact what was lost in all the madness, right, what was lost in all the madness in the Bucks winning that game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers turned the ball over four times. Now, you've heard us say on the show, if you just win the turnover battle by one, you win 71% of the time. Well, guess what? If you turn the ball over four times in the history of the NFL, your chances of winning that game are 19%. 19%. And when you add to the fact that Tampa Bay not only turned the ball over four times, they committed 11 penalties, Dallas won the time of possession battle, and Dallas even outgained and outyarded the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Bucs still won, well, I guess you might say that Buccaneers are a team of destiny. Matter of fact, I think they are. I think they're going back to the Super Bowl and they're going to win. And later on in the show, I'll tell you who I think they're going to play. And I will also say this, that I think another surprise team that usually has been a laughing stock and has never even been to the Super Bowl might find their way into the Super Bowl because they've got a certain formula that I believe will give the Tampa Bay or they will give the Chiefs difficulty. All right. Stick with us. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Radio and Fox Sports Sunday. Next up, we talk about the Matt Stafford era. It's upon us. Right out of Vegas! Vegas! 